0: Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. And it's good news for Australian fans waking up this morning because Australia have retained the ashes with a draw here in Manchester. 2-1 is the series score. No play was possible at all on day five today, but I don't think the Aussies will be too disappointed about that. My name is Josh Finger. I'm joined by Louis Cameron. And uh, there wasn't any cricket to talk about today, Louis, but there are plenty of storylines. There are. Yes, there are. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's been a long day, Josh, let's be honest. Um, watching the
1: rain, seeing puddles form around the covers, seeing a, that they're going to start at 1 pm. They're not going to start at 1 pm because it started raining again six minutes later. Obviously, no one had an accurate weather app. Uh, oh, so there are plenty
0: of those going around, though, there weren't plenty
1: there? Plenty of those going around. If I never hear about AccuWeather or whatever, the Med Office and all this stuff, everyone claiming that they know what's going to happen next, uh, they have no idea. This is an island in the middle of the, you know, kind of sandwiched in the Atlantic Ocean between continental Europe and Ireland. Uh, no one can predict the weather. It's not like Australia. Things are very more regimented there. It's one of the things that we've got under control in Australia. Uh, but it, it is very different to 2019, right, when um, Australia retained the ashes at this ground. They were singing the song out on the ground. They were... Uh, heckling TV journalists mid-cross <laughs> I think Marcus Harris and Travis Head were calling uh, Chompers what's his name the Channel 9 Tony Jones Tony Jones yes, that's it yes. yeah, I could only remember the nickname uh, and you know getting on TV on breakfast TV back in Australia in a way that they might have regretted when they woke up sober the next morning <laughs> but, um, so it's a little bit different to that it's uh, it is. it's you know business as usual they've retained the ashes but it feels like a job's not done uh, for Australia
0: So, yeah, no scores to update the fans with this morning. Australia were going to resume at 5 for 214, but we arrived to the ground today. Covers were on, but there was talk that the clouds were going to clear. Then at 12.15, we were told pitch inspection has been all good. We're good to start at 1 o'clock. Lunch was taken. It was all looking good. But then, as you said... Pretty much as soon as we were told that we were going to start at one, the rain returned. Our colleague Andrew Ramsey made a really good point about this. Is you know, normally
1: when the ground staff, the ground staff and the umpires will kind of chat, right? Mm. And the umpires would go up to them and say, Hey, I reckon we're, you know, the ground's looking good. Um, reckon we can resume. And if there's rain on the way, the ground staff know, right? Because they're the ones who have to get the covers ready. And, and they're po- locals, right? They they're see. locals. They're from Manchester. They uh, presumably live close by and understand the weather patterns better than we do because it has a material effect on how they do their jobs. Uh, but the, the, you're right, the covers were off at that point. None of them said, oh, no, actually there's rain <laughs> six minutes away. They just start, they, the umpires said, oh, we're starting the game. And uh, six minutes later, there was rain. It's just kind of amazing that the weather is that hard to predict here that not even the ground staff can yeah. tell you what's going to happen in five minutes' time.
0: And for the next four hours, we were sort of sitting around hoping that something would change, but the weather got worse and worse. And then at 5.25, six and a bit hours after we uh, were scheduled to start today, it was called off and the captain shook hands inside, by the way, undercover. So that mm. was good. And, uh, yeah, Australia will retain the ashes. Did, did they shake hands? Yes, w- yes, We saw that. Was that on TV or...? Uh, so the well, the sides shook hands indoors. We didn't see that, oh. um, but Stokes and Cummins then shook hands when they were doing their post-match press conference with right, Michael okay. Atherton yes. from Sky. So that's when we saw the captains shake hands. But the actual teams itself, yes. themselves haven't actually shaken hands in public. So we'll... Haven't shaken hands
1: in public, but we believe that they've shaken hands behind closed
0: that's doors. That's correct. That's okay. that's the word out of the change room. So okay,
1: that's good because you know you wouldn't want a, a bitter series as it has been in mm. previous tests to uh, escape beyond that. Not that I'm suggesting <laughs> they. they wouldn't. It was just funny one because normally you see the big line of mm. all the support staff go out there and um, and uh, they all shake hands. You know, it's always funny like seeing the the team doctor shaking hands with the other team's analyst or the masseuse, and you're like, oh, this is
0: kind of weird that yeah, you do this yeah. after every test, but. Um, We didn't see that. And it was still raining at that point, so I suppose they didn't want to be out there. Fair enough. Uh, Pat Cummins, however, said at his post-match press conference that this is not the end of the road for Australia. They're not going to be celebrating tonight. In fact, he was asked about what the team's plans would be after tonight, and uh, this is what he said.
2: Uh, Yeah, I don't think there'll be huge celebrations. I think there'll be, um, you know, maybe a bit of a pat on your back, you know, for for retaining the the series. Um, You know, there's been a lot of work that's gone into putting us in the position where a draw does make us retain the Ashes. So, um, but you know, there's a test match starting in three days. So that's, that's going to be the full focus.
1: So that's Pat Cummins. It's obviously going to be a very different feeling on the England side, because let's be honest, they absolutely dominated this game and Australia were not in any position to argue with that. Mm -hmm. Actually, maybe before we hear from England, let's just hear what Cameron Green had to say on that
2: front. I think we definitely got away with one there. I think, uh, we didn't play our best game, but, um, yeah, the, the rain gods were in our, in our favour today um, or the last couple of days. So,
1: um, yeah, it's funny to just take in and move on and, and look to the next game. So no, no one in this Australian side is trying to say that they uh, could have won this match. Uh, I think the best they could have hoped for, even if it did go the, the journey, was to bat it out and maybe hang on grimly for a draw. But I think if we got two full days of play, England would have almost certainly have won. Ben Stokes, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough pill to swallow, right? Uh, and a lot of the questions at his press conference were kind of dictated around, does he feel regrets for how you know how they played in the first two tests? They weren't that far away from Australia, but they lost those close moments uh, and ultimately couldn't come away with a win. So obviously a really tough one for him to swallow, um, but they've got one more test at the Oval to, I guess, even it up and... Uh, make it a 2-all draw, which is exactly how 2019 finished.
0: Yeah, I mean they've been a different team since those first two tests, haven't they? We've spoken a lot about the changes that they've made to their side and they've brought in Wood and Wokes and and Alley's come back and had an impact as well and yeah, as you said, they would have been feeling really confident that if they could have got any play in today, that they could have come through and levelled the series. Now, does it take the sting out of what's going to be the final match at the Oval?
1: Really good question. Yeah, I reckon it will a little bit, to be honest. And it's a hard one. For, everyone keeps talking about momentum and uh, that it was all on England's side, and they were this runaway freight train kind of coming at it, at Australia. I kind of feel it does. Like mm. it just felt like Ben Stokes at his at his press conference. That there was just a, like the air had been let out of the series a little bit because it's just been uh, three really close tests uh, and then one they've absolutely dominated. just felt like it would have been great if we had the oval to build up and it was two all uh, going into that series. That hasn't happened since 1936-7, uh, which we've referenced a few times on this podcast as being the last time a team had come back from 2-0 down. There have been a few deciding tests over the years, I've noticed. Not two all draws, but level going into the last test, okay, uh, which I think has been lost in a little bit. Uh, it's a moot mute point, mute point now, but yeah, 65, 66 was the last one. Quite a lot, the 60, uh, 62, 63. Uh, there were four series in a row – sorry, three series in a row in England, uh, 1926, 1930, 1934, uh, all leading up to that 36, 37 one where they were deciding tests at the end. So while the cricket back then might not have been that interesting uh, in terms <laughs> of uh, teams playing at a certain rate, I was looking – just an aside, I was looking at one of those series – uh, it was a five-test series. One of them finished 1-0. Uh, so it was a draw for the first four tests. Draws in the first oh, wow, four yeah. tests and the last one was the decider uh, and there hadn't been a result so far. So, was that a wet summer, that one? Yeah, good question. I'll have to dig into that. And That might have been one of the ones in the early 1920s <laughs> or something like that. Uh, so that would have been great if we had that the Oval. We're not going to have it. But you're mm-hmm. right, Mark Wood especially, I think, has been the guy to turn this series around for England. Uh, and Ben Stokes spoke with a lot of praise for his Durham teammate in the press conference.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, he's been so impressive. Um, you know, obviously having someone who can, who has the ability that he has with the ball um, to bowl as fast as he does is obviously a massive weapon for any team to have. Um, obviously, the impact he had at Headingley and uh, with his five wickets, um, and even here, you know, just that the spell where he got Smith and uh, Travis out, you know, massive game-changer uh, for us there. You know, two massive players for Australia in the middle order there. Um, and I think, you know, having that um, X-factor, as we call it in sport, is is obviously a huge thing to have as a captain who, where things just sort of looking a bit dry and you're going like, where am I going to get a wicket from? You can just throw the ball to, to Woody and um, you just feel like he's just going to create a chance um, when he's got the ball, but also the partnership in which he bowls with the person at the other end. Um, you know, you shouldn't underestimate when, you know, Woody's bowling as fast as, as he does, that actually the pressure's always on the batsman when they face the ball at the other end as well.
0: Yeah, Mark Wood, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's been well, a game changer for England, a uh, player of the match there at Headingley, but he doesn't bowl his overs quickly. He bowls the ball quickly, but he doesn't bowl <laughs> his overs quickly. And that's been a problem for both sides so far this series. And we don't want to get too caught up in the overrate stuff and the ICC fines because it's not that interesting. But one thing that might come back to haunt England perhaps in this match is just how slowly they bowled their overs because we've lost so much time to weather and it was on end of day three where Australia was back into bat for the second time. 52 overs were scheduled to be bowled by England. They only got through 41. So that was 11 overs that they lost there. They also bowled quite slowly yesterday on day four when we got 30 overs of play. I think they could have bowled up to 40 as per, as per the scheduled sort of time. I mean, the ICC wants you to bowl 15 overs per hour. We never see that. But if they did and they maybe relied on spin a bit more, they would have got through that. So we're looking at maybe 15 overs that they, at a minimum that they could have bowled and didn't. And is that going to cost them this match here? Well, I don't think it would have cost them here. I think no matter how quickly they bowled their
1: overs, this game was going to be a draw. There just wasn't enough time in the game. You say... Teams never bowl uh, their 15 overs per hour. Like uh, – and I know they do in India, right? And, and you yeah, should have put that yeah, as a caveat. No, no, no yeah. it's, a, it's a fair point. Um, uh, and it, it's, a, it's a notable caveat because when it's spinners on, you know, the overs are bowled too quickly sometimes and teams have to – Slow up. I'm not convinced that fast bowlers can't bowl 15 overs in an hour. It's become a cultural thing mm. for just teams to, in test cricket to take a long time to bowl. You go down the level. So in Sheffield Shield cricket, they manage to bowl 90 or 96 overs in a day. Uh, those guys don't have uh, any longer or shorter run-ups than the guys in test cricket. Uh, in Australia, you know, you get equal amounts of overs, uh, percentage of overs, mm. I guess, being bowled by pace bowlers. So... Um, So why does it take them so much longer in test cricket then? I guess everything – it's more intense, right? So everything – there's so much riding on every ball, especially this series. Mm. Uh, Strategically, captains want to get the fields 100% right. Probably a lot more field changes. um, Just the intensity of cricket, I think. Remember George Bailey saying that the biggest difference he noticed between first-class cricket and test cricket when he made the step up uh, was how slow teams bowled their overs. He Mm. was kind of ready at the crease, ready from the bowl and they would – changing fields and doing all sorts of uh, things, te- just things taking longer than they did in the Sheffield Shield. I do believe the ICC – I know it, people, you know, their eyes kind of glaze over when you talk <laughs> about overate penalties and stuff like that. But the stuff that I reckon people really do care about and that has a material effect on both of these teams is the World Test Championship standings. We're two years away from the next World Test Championship final and I believe the ICC is going to clear up uh, a little bit of their um, – the wording around how teams will be penalised – um, particularly for this series uh, in the next couple of days because they did kind of make some changes and they weren't completely understood. Uh, so I believe that's going to be clarified in the next few days in a bit more detail because it was a little bit tricky what the IC did, ICC did. I think they made some quite good changes um, on the behest of these two teams, and but it was retrospective. So they kind of... Changed it while the World Test Championship, the the next cycle of the World Test Championship, had already begun.
0: So they need to clear a few things up. Hopefully, we get that clarification. We'll have all the details on cricket.com.au, and if you don't want to check it out, I completely understand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's look ahead to the next and the final Test of the series. It starts on Thursday at the Oval in London. So not much turnaround time between the two sides, and uh, we had some yeah some injury issues for Australia throughout that Test, and a few question marks over the England side as well. What Changes do you think we might see uh heading into that last test?
1: It sounds like most likely Mitchell Stark and Mitchell Marsh, the two Mitchells they played in this test. Do
0: they just have two Mitchells, do they have another Mitchell?
1: Only two in this test. Two Mitchells, yeah. one Marsh, no Sean Marshes. Yep.
0: No Mitchell Johnson. Th- there's yep. a guy no Mitchell <laughs>
1: Johnson. There's a guy on Twitter who does like uh, a, a ranking or like a tally how many Mitches in the team they Australia have, how many Marshes they have in the team, how many Mitch Marshes they have in the team, <laughs> which always just makes me laugh. Uh, pretty stupid stuff. But the two Mitchells uh, most likely sound like they should be okay to go at the Oval, uh, although they did have some issues during this test. So that's going to be something we had to monitor. A Stark, it was a, a shoulder thing and it looked like he was grabbing his leg at different points um, and Mitch Marsh, some, some stiffness, were were told it was. So... Um, it would be interesting. I mean, Scott Boland, let's not forget, uh, even though he's you know kind of been bashed out of this series a little bit, uh, was Australia's best bowler at the Oval uh, a month ago when they played India. Uh, it took five wickets, including that cracking ball to get Virat Kohli on the last day where he just swung it away from him after going in and in and in. So that wouldn't have been f- completely forgotten uh, by them. Michael Nees is still with the squad. Uh, I guess the really interesting question is whether they want to bring back a spinner or not. Uh, and you would think Mitchell Marsh, whether he can bowl or not, uh, he's probably the guy who's who's at six, right? He's just playing better than Cameron Green at the moment. You can't really – the only world you could see Cameron Green being picked ahead of Mitch Marsh at this point is if he's bowling. He can bowl and Mitch Marsh can't. Um, and I, I just think that they really need to pick a spinner. That's my personal view. Um, I th- thought they missed uh, having one in this test. Um, I know they'll probably stick by the team they picked and you know, they held out for a draw and that's all they need to do. But um, I think they would have been reluctant to leave out
0: Todd Murphy um, and I think they, they just missed him in this test. Yeah, and Steve Smith said to us before the series began that he thought the Oval uh, sometimes um, sometimes replicated Indian conditions as well, didn't he? So he thinks the spin is very important at the Oval and I'm sure this test will be no different. He had a bob each way with that one. I feel like the oval is kind of
1: like simultaneously described as a batting paradise. Uh, It's the fastest wicket in England, but it also (laughs) spins the most and it can be more like India. So, um, yeah, who knows what we'll get at the oval. But the good thing is I don't think they've been getting as much rain down in London as they have (laughs) here in Manchester. We're still here. It's still absolutely pelting down. The hover cover is still over the pitch. Uh, So presumably they've got to get that right for a county game in the next few
0: days because otherwise you would have thought they would just let it soak up a bit of the moisture. Yeah, you certainly would. Louis, thank you for joining me throughout this test match. If you are heading into the office this morning on Monday morning, make sure you wear some green and gold to get around the Aussies. They've retained the Ashes and they're heading to the Oval next week to try and win the series outright. This has been the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, and we'll catch you in the lead-up to the fifth test.